Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There is so much more to life than serving yourself. It's to serve others and to give someone else an experience. I had a fairly easy childhood. I had two very loving parents, but there are a lot of kids out there that don't get that. And I just wanted, like, I had such a great time at summer camp as a girl, like a teenage girl. The first time I felt pretty was when a boy came up to me and said, you look really nice. And it was at the camp dance. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty. And I was 13 and I... I have such fond memories that I hope to give that to someone else who then can maybe want to come back every single year and then give that experience to another kid who maybe doesn't have the best kind of home life or maybe they've never been out of the city. Maybe they've never had someone believe in them. And in one short week, I try to do everything I can to make a kid feel seen and heard and special And because it's in the woods, I get like no service. You have real conversations with people. That is LA radio superstar Natalia Perez. And this is episode 252 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 252 of the show with the wonderful, the beautiful, the magnificent, the charming, the kind LA radio legend and aspirational human that everyone, I think, would want to be like, Natalia Perez. You can find her on Instagram at Hey Natalia. More about Natalia in just a moment. A quick 
housekeeping. No, first, thank you for being here. Welcome. If you're new, hi, I'm Osha. Um, if this is your first ever episode, g'day. I'm Osha. I'm a TV host from Australia. In Australia, I host a show called The Bachelor. Yes, that one. Yeah, like the one that you see, but with Australian accents and girls going, oh, no, Devo. It's great. Um, and it's killing the ratings at the moment, which is really good. Uh, also, I'm an author. Uh, I've just written a book. It's called Back. After the break, see, I made a psychosis pun in my book title. And um, what else do I do? I ride bicycles. I'm a dad, a husband, and um, a, a carer of a cavoodle. What else do I do? I cook badly, but like eating. Um, what else do I do? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Hi, welcome. When I'm not doing all of those things, I'm making this podcast. And I've been making this podcast every Monday for about five years from now, which is what I wanted to talk to you about Uh we're five years into the show. I think I put the first episode up uh, September 14, 2013. Yeah. So, it's about five years ago. There was one or two Christmases that I wasn't on all the time. But look, after 251 episodes, we are super... When I say we, I mean me and the team that make the show. It's not just me. We are super stoked to partner up with very, very big, big podcasting player, Acast. They are a big and powerful podcast hosting company and it's your downloads and your attention that got them to notice us, which is super, super great. It's the big leagues, my friends. It's the big leagues. They're a big international company. We're very, very excited to be on their platform. So, um, what changes for you? Well, um, our reach, our ability to get heard by more people and our access to guests, those things both increase and we are hopefully going to be able to make some very big shifts in the quality and, how shall I put this, format of shows and content that we are going to be bringing you every single week. So, that is very, very exciting. But look, this all costs money and you know what a great way to make money on podcasts is? Advertising. Yes, you are going to start to hear some ads on this show, which I hope you find relevant and interesting. The team at Acast have a very sophisticated algorithm around their ad placement and we are working super close with them, you know, just to make sure that you don't hear ads for butcher shops or diesel cars, you know, because that's not me, really. Uh, hope it's got to make sense for everyone, right? You, me, them. You know, if you if you make diesel cars, you don't want to be on my show. Ever say nice things about your product? It doesn't make any sense. So, thank you all very much for appreciating that this podcast, like all of your favorite podcasts, does take time, effort, and people to make each week. And those people, they need to be paid. Let's uh, let's all hold hands together and go into our sixth year at once, shall we? Let's let's all move forward into this bold, brave new world. If you do have any thoughts on this, please don't hesitate. You can email me, sandosherimail at gmail.com. That's always the best way to get to me. A big thank you to all the people that supported me through the week around the book. You can find a link to buying the book, osherginsberg.com. You can buy it in very different formats. You can have an ebook if you're international. Uh, you can also get it as an audio book featuring my voice and the occasional voice of my excellent producer and wife, Audrey Griffin. And it's also in uh, paperback if you like. All those links are at osherginsberg.com. Thanks to everybody that's reaching out about the book. It seems that what I've written in the book is doing one of two things. It's helping people feel less alone, which is really good, and helping people who live with or know someone with complex mental illness or indeed addiction understand those people a little bit better. And this makes me happy beyond measure because that is the very, very reason that I put it all out there and wrote the book in the first place. And I'm very, very grateful 
for the people that have reached out this week and, and let me know. There's some big events happening around the book, which is uh, very exciting. On Tuesday night, I'll be in Adelaide at Plant 4, which is in Bowdoin. I uh, would love to see you there. Say hello. That's a talk and a Q&A. I'm also in Rockhampton on the 6th and 7th of October. The 6th is the Black Dog Ball. The 7th is a day gig. Um, we'd love to see you there. And the biggest of big news, while we are working on booking the national tour, we're working very hard on finding theatres that will fit us and, and be able to work together and make it work financially. Uh, while we're working on booking the national tour, we have an encore performance of the live show coming again in Sydney, October the 28th. We're a giant dwarf in Redfern once again. So you can get tickets for both the Adelaide gig I just mentioned and the Sydney gig. The Adelaide gig's a talk and a Q&A. The Sydney gig is the full live show with the singing and the everything. Um, all those tickets are available right now, osherginsburg.com. So to check in, how are you? You good? How's your day? How's your work? How's life on meds? How's life off meds? How's the kids? How's all those things that make your day Okay. Or make you day go, oh man, I hope they're okay. I'm talking to you right now from an Airbnb in Lawn, Victoria. I'm a bit sniffly. Uh, I'm sitting on the bed downstairs in the bedroom I'm sharing with my wife. We have a house full of people and I have just ridden my bicycle in Amy's Grand Fondo. 120 kilometers of bicycle riding through the rain, the wind, and yes, indeed, the snow up in the mountains behind the Great Ocean Road right down on the coastline of Victoria. I do love a big endurance event. I really, really do. I used to love running marathons. I can't run them anymore because I've got old man hips, but I can still ride bikes, which is great. I just love the idea that Thousands of people all are doing the same thing and they're all gathering together on one special day to do that same thing that they love and that everyone they meet loves. Hey, you like bicycling? I like bicycling too. How good's bicycling? I had that conversation about a hundred times today. It's really lovely. It's really, really nice. If you've never ridden this event, if you're a rider, you've never ridden this event, look, it's just magnificent, utterly breathtaking scenery and also some very challenging hills and some challenging descents coupled with world-class support and safety crews. It just makes it a, a brilliant, brilliant day all up. I just love, love that my legs, when they're screaming with lactic acid, my fingers have stopped working because it's so cold and I can't break anymore because they stopped moving. My bike seems to have run out of low range gears. Uh, I can just look to the side of the road and see the glorious beauty of a coastal rainforest, giant ferns and eucalypts a few hundred years old and, and mountains just teeming with life it's just a sensory overload and it is beautiful and it sure makes you forget about the pain in your legs pretty quickly it, it's also a humility overload because it doesn't matter how many times you've been on the cover of men's health magazine for me that's one so far um there's always someone fitter and faster than you are you just can't tell the capacity for strength and resilience of another human being by looks alone. I mean, I was smoked by that many men and women of all different shapes and sizes. Some of them 20 years older than me, just whoosh, up the mountain, behind, just bang, leaving me in the dust. Well, there was no dust today because it was raining, but leaving me in the metaphorical dust. It's good. I like it. It's good to be served a dose of humility every now and again. It's important, I think. Yeah, just get reminded. Yeah, you're not so special, pal. You're just a bicycler amongst bicyclists. 
I don't know if one of those two words is correct, but I just used them. Uh, this week was a, a big week. It was Are You OK Day during the week. I had the great pleasure of addressing the team at Sydney Water, like much like wherever the city you live. Um, there's a lot of people, great, very, very smart men and women who work very hard to make sure you have clean and safe drinking water that comes out of the tap when you turn it on in Australia. And in Sydney, they're called Sydney Water. Um, and it's it great to meet them because every morning when I'm writing my gratitude list, I thank them. I thank that I'm grateful that I have clean, safe water that comes out of the tap on demand because a lot of people around the world do not have that. And what they're doing, it's really actually exciting. They're in- implementing some really top-shelf um, programs around uh, support in the workplace for, for mental health. And I was invited to share my story as a part of that. I wasn't the only one speaking. Um, there were some great members of their team there that also got up to speak. And it was truly inspiring. Uh, I've got nothing to lose by sharing with them. You know, I show up. I'm the guy with the roses sometimes. I share my story. I go home. They're talking in front of their peers, people they have worked with for 10 years, people they work with for 20 more years. Um, and they were, you know, it was really powerful that they got up and spoke. And it really got me thinking because some of the people that shared, big, buffy blokes who are busy, you know, digging holes and laying massive pipes and doing big infrastructure work, you might not, you might look at them and judge and go, okay, they wouldn't probably be too into sharing this kind of thing. But I just loved, loved that they were. Because when you think about it, what's the more manly thing to do when faced with a problem? Go down the pub, run from that problem, hide behind some beer, or face that problem head on, wrestle it to the ground, take control of the situation, and take action to combat that problem and prevent it, hopefully prevent it from affecting your life. I'd say the the more powerful option is the second one, hands down. There's enormous strength and power in taking action. Taking that locus of control, bringing it into your body, even the tiniest aspect of whatever is overwhelming, there's incredible power in just taking control of just one thing. I say it all the time. It could be sleep. It could be exercise. It could be what you eat today. Controlling one small part of your day, you just do that and and soon your brain may get used to the idea that you have a say in how things go, no matter how many times your brain tries to tell you that you don't. So if you're finding yourself escaping the fear, just know that the more you turn from it, the bigger it gets. That's just the facts, all right? It's uncomfortable, I know, I know, but facing that fear, even the smallest aspect of it, like I did when I went through exposure therapy, can give you, in my experience, great relief in knowledge, in the knowledge that you, you can control a part of your day. And I still, that's something I do every single day. If I, my triggers show up, I just, okay, I face it. I face it because as soon as I turn from it, next time I look, it's twice as big. That's something I've, that's a fact. I've, it's, I've got to suck it up because if I don't face it right there and then, the next time it comes up, next time I get triggered, it'll be twice as big. Then it'll be four times as big. Then it'll be eight times as big. That's just it's what happens in my head. So it's uncomfortable, but I've got to deal with it. So look, if you or someone you know is struggling, remember that taking control and doing something about it, it's, it's the first step to feeling better. And that goes not only for your personal life, but also your professional life. And that, and that's where I'd like to talk to you about my guest today. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today I'm joined by LA Radio superstar Natalia Perez. She's an announcer on the super important radio show, Big Boy's Neighborhood, which is on a station Real 92.3 in LA. Now, to give you an idea about how important this show is, the reason that you first heard a Kendrick Lamar track on Australian radio is because Big Boy played it on his show first. He's the one that breaks the records to market. His endorsement gives music directors the world over Permission, like, oh, if Big Boy's playing it, then it's okay. It's okay to play. Gives them permission to start playing these songs. He's an absolute legend of the industry, and he's that because he's legitimizing artists on his show, and he has helped create more music superstars than I've had hot dinners. Now, Natalia and I, we worked together for three years on a radio show called The Hot Hits Live from LA, and as soon as I met this woman, I knew she was something very, very special. The way Natalia has crafted her career path, how she's worked and learned and worked some more and used a combination of super hard work, an incredible work ethic, willingness to learn more skills and a kindness that will knock you out of the park. Well, this one will leave you so inspired about what's possible in life and indeed how you might even be able to level up your own career. Next to my wife, Natalia is the kindest person I have ever come across. She's also one of the most hardworking people I've ever met. If you're at all interested in a career in media or a career in an area that has a high barrier to entry, that means like everybody wants to work there, this conversation, I'm going to say it, this conversation is a masterclass in how to achieve what you've dreamed of achieving. I can't thank Natalia enough for staying up super late to talk to me on this one, late being 4pm LA time, which if you work in breakfast radio is essentially midnight. You can find Natalia on Instagram. She's heynatalia, H-E-Y-N-A-T-A-L-I-A. Let her know that you heard her here. This woman is one of the most dear people I know and that I can share this conversation with you and indeed give you a glimpse into the kind of person that she is and that incredible career success can be yours through hard work and kindness. It's a pretty special chat. Enjoy this conversation with the wonderful Natalia Perez. Natalia, I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. Hi. <laughs> that was the weirdest high ever. I was like, oh, I was just so excited. <laughs> this is great. You want to tell people where you are right now and why you're in that room? I am in Burbank, California, and I am in uh, the morning show room that I'm in every day in my seat and in our radio studio at iHeartMedia. 
which is uh, for anyone who knows or has been to Los Angeles, you're about oh, what five five k's, three k's from Universal Studios. You're pretty close. Oh, so close. Yeah. Like I think yeah. if it was like nighttime and I maybe like peeked over, I could maybe see some fireworks. All right, right. Heaven forbid you'd ever walk. <laughs> Not in this heat right now. It's so hot. Maybe a little later. This is Los Angeles. This is Los Angeles. No one walks. No one walks. No, anyway. no. But you, you, you are the uh, you. You are on the breakfast radio show on mm-hmm. what's the call sign? Big Boys Neighborhood Real ninety two three. Real ninety two three, which mm-hmm. is like the the big hip hop station yeah. in LA. That's the you're on the station where everyone the records are f- played for the first time. People d- drop in. Kendrick Lamar shows up with his mm-hmm. new single and plays it to you and Big Boy, right? Yes, we would always hope. Yeah, but like Kendrick, Cardi B, right now, Drake, Migos, uh, who else? Uh, who else? Um, having a Travis Scott. He just dropped his album, so we got a lot of him going on. It's fun. I'm I'm so so excited, but this is it. You are in the you're in the box seat. You're in the the tippy tippy top of of LA radio, Natalia, and I'm just so excited for oh, you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> it seems weird to say that, just because I don't know. It's just so weird. I don't I don't get it sometimes. Well, you you what I'd love to have from this conversation is just you know kind of share a bit of your journey, a bit of your story, and. And kind of how you managed to maintain this this incredible momentum, like so. I'll, I'll do more of this in the intro and let people know how we how we know each other. But mm-hmm. your story is is really something really something special. You you grew up you where you are technically in the valley right now, mm-hmm. but only by about a couple of hundred meters. Yeah. Um. How how far in the valley did where did you grow up? I grew up probably and so funny because I'm looking out the window going, oh yeah yeah okay, just jump on that freeway. I probably 10 minutes from the station. It's North Hollywood yeah. is that is the next city over to Burbank. Yeah. And, and you are, you're, you're, you're a big family. I can't remember how many sisters you have. I have one sister and my That's dad right. actually grew up in Burbank as well. And so one of the Bob's big boy that I pass by every day when I go home, I like always think like, Oh, my dad used to go to that Bob's big boy after high school. Every like, So it's, I mean, <laughs> that's where he took us all the time. Uh, that's a that's a hamburger joint. If yes. anybody, if anybody knows, yeah. Grow, growing up in Australia, we we had McDonald's, and then mm-hmm. um, you know it was very very exciting. And then we had another one. Then we had uh, Burger King. Well, back then it was called Hungry Jacks, but we now we have some Burger Kings. But you go to the states, and there's like sixty seven different kinds of burger franchises, yeah. and Bob's Big Bob's Big Boy is is one of them. You early on though, one of the thing I love about you is that you, very early on, you went every summer. You want to tell people where you went? <gasps> I just came back, too. <laughs> yeah? Um, every summer since I was eight years old, I go to summer camp. And um, it was with my YMCA. I went to preschool at YMCA, too, after just no one was around to watch me because both of my parents worked. So I went to summer. I went to YMCA preschool, um, after school care. And then during the summers when I got old enough, I would go away for a week to summer camp up to Big Bear, which is about, you know, without traffic, maybe maybe two hours, a little bit less than two hours away from Los Angeles and would go canoeing and mountain biking. Um. Anything that you think summer camp is, 
that's what we did. Arts and crafts, fire, you know, a campfire every night. We did, you know, the mess hall with the food and the, you know, having to learn manners about like not keeping your hat on during meals. We did the cabins with 10 girls, two counselors. And as I got older, when I got too old to be a camper, I became a counselor in training. From there, I was a counselor for seven years, maybe. Then I transitioned into being a director. And then I literally just got back two days ago from this year's camp. (laughs) And what's your role in now? Still a director. This year, though, um, it was a little hard with my work schedule to commit very early on in the year to be able to say, yes, I'll definitely be able to go for the whole week. Um, So they put me in a position called like a floater position. So I was... Anywhere that someone needed me on our side of camp, because our camp has grown so big now that we actually are on, um, we can actually have two sides of camp where we have a younger side and then an older side. And yeah. so I kind of just jump in where everyone, anyone needs me. I host, um, I got to host a thing called Morning Watch where I got to try to leave some inspirational words to the kids to start their yeah. day off. That was really fun. And then, um, and just helping the the main director execute everything. And if they needed to step away, if they needed to take care of something, I was like next in charge. So, yeah, that, that is, that is really, really something and over, <laughs> over the years having, and, and from what I understand, some of your best friends, in the world are the people that you've known since that, what has that given you? What is that kind of through line of every, that's this annual get together. What has that given you? You know, it gives me a reminder that There is so much more to life than serving yourself. It's to serve others and to give someone else an experience. I had a fairly, very easy childhood. I had, you know, little things here and there, but nothing too crazy or dramatic. I had two very loving parents, but there are a lot of kids out there that don't get that. And I just wanted, like, I had such a great time at summer camp. And I always tell this one story. It was like the first time I felt pretty, like as a girl, like a teenage girl, the first time I felt pretty was when a boy came up to me and said, you look really nice. And it was at the camp dance. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty. And I was 13. And I, you know, I have such fond memories that I hope to give that to someone else who then can maybe want to come back every single year and then give that experience to another kid who maybe doesn't have the best kind of home life, or maybe they've never been out of the city. Maybe they've never had someone believe in them. And in one short week, I try to do everything I can to make a kid feel seen and heard and special. And you get, because it's in, in big bear in the woods, I get like no service. You have real conversations with people and not a conversation where you go to dinner and everyone still has their phone next to them. It's you sit and you talk to people and you have fun and you're silly. That too, being being silly, remembering to be, it's okay. You don't need to take yourself seriously. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what you drive. People genuinely want to be around you because you care and you're loving and you want to help out. I love it, Natalia. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love it. That's that's one of the things that I always loved about you. That this you had this formative um, core drive of service mm. to others. It's it's. I see people around me serve so much more, especially the um, some of my friends. How, like you said, I've known them all my life. One of my friends, his name is Casey. He he and I met in preschool. He now is one of the executives at the YMCA and he started so many programs and he's constantly giving back that it's, it's inspiring. And so if I can just do a little bit where my schedule allows, I just try and jump at the chance as quick as I can. 
that that is that is one of the things that that formed you as as a human being and one of the if not the nicest person I've ever worked with Natalia. I love but you. There was another thing there was another thing that 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 filled you with skills and gifts that I I never really kind of grasped and that was that was your time um your time writing strange names on cups and sharpie. <laughs> It was the best of times. No, uh, yeah, I worked for Star. I I find that I'm, and I don't mean this in a very like let me brush dirt off my shoulders kind of or like bragging away. But I find that all the things that I've done, I was very I've done for a long time. So when I got my first job at Starbucks, I was 18 years old, just out of high school. I stayed for five years. <laughs> I've been with the same company, the radio station, now for 14 and a half years. So and with camp again, that's. 20 plus years that I've been going to that as well. But yeah, my first job was at Starbucks and I accidentally applied for the job. Did I ever tell you that? How did you, how do you accidentally <laughs> apply for a job at Starbucks? Well, I went to, um, so there was like a, a shopping mall where it was like an outdoor shopping mall where they had, um, they had like a, a Best Buy, a Tilly's, which was a clothing store. They had an office max, they had a Starbucks and me and my boyfriend at the time needed to get summer jobs. And so um, I said, oh, let's go down there and we'll just get applications from every store. We'll see who's hiring and then we'll pick from there. And he's like, oh, okay, let's get some Starbucks before we start though. Cause you know, just to have a little treat. And I was like, okay, okay. And when we walked in, they had a sign that said job fair at the Empire Center. And Empire Center was the name of the entire center that had all the shops in there. So I said, they said, yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, later today in a few hours. Come on back. They're doing interviews all over the place. And I was like, okay, I thought it was for the entire center. I thought I was going to be able to apply at Tilly's or apply at Office Max. I never wanted or thought to work in like food service. So when I came back, they're like, no, 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 this is just for Starbucks. <laughs> so while I was there, I was like, well, I might as well. They're giving you an on-the-site interview, did one, and then got another call and they placed me in a store and I was like, okay, got a job. Here we go. <laughs> it's at Starbucks. Now, I never understood the, 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 the training or the, you know, the, the, the culture of, of Starbucks. I it know. seems like it's, it's extraordinary what it gave you. It, it gave me re- the, a love for customer service. I loved, I thrived on when I would see a regular customer come in or like see their car and I can see it through the window as I'm making drinks and, oh, Nick's coming up. Oh, I know Nick's drink. I'm going to get that right away and have Nick literally at the moment walk up to the register and me put his drink down and him just get so excited that his drink was already ready. He knew me. He knew that I knew how to make really good drinks and his day started off amazing because of that one little like just me getting his drink done as quick as I can. Um, I loved that. I thought it was so much fun. And when, you know, you, you're in that environment working with people, obviously you're going to be working with people that have had different upbringings from you, people Mm -hmm. that didn't go to camp. Um, what did you do when you were faced with challenges of people who, you know, weren't really pulling their weight? You know, there was There was one person, I felt like I got along with everyone, um, especially later towards- That does not surprise me to tell (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because later towards, I started, I worked less days since I I was juggling both the radio station and um, Starbucks, but there was just one person that for some, I don't know what I did, she just didn't like me. And there was a 
a moment where she was washing dishes and you, you can wash dishes and then you put them in a sanitizer. And I was on register. There was no one in the stores, like middle of the day, really, really quiet. She's washing dishes and um, she opens the sanitizer to take out what had already been sanitized and um, was going to have to put it away so she can reload. And I said, oh, I got this. And she went, no, don't. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing anything. It's all, it's all good. And so I started putting dishes away. I got called in to the back office the next day of her writing a complaint about how I didn't let her put away the dishes. <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it. And I think that was my first time realizing that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and, and that's okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, sorry. I don't know what to tell you. That's for, as a like for me or a people pleaser for someone who can't deal with when people are pissed off at me. I, I don't know how you did that. It was <laughs> I hard. Can't deal with it. I want pe- I want people to like me all the time, but it was a good lesson in you know what she there just might be something in my pheromones that don't um, dig. She doesn't dig, and you know what? Uh, like I couldn't do anything to change it, so I kind of had to release that. Like, well, she's gonna hate me. She's gonna hate me. <laughs> yeah. How did the um? I'm guessing when you when you were there, you you did what I think I've known you always to do, which is work really, really, really hard. Yeah, and smell like milk all the time, like soured, dry milk, and coffee in my hair. The smell of coffee was always in my hair. Ugh, it was gross. But yeah, I mean, besides the cleaning part, I think I, I really liked. Like I said, I, enjoy, I my best friend worked there too for like a year. And we loved working together, making drinks together. And actually, one of the girls that I met fairly early on, she's still a friend in my life who I believe you've met before. And she has two daughters, and they're my goddaughters. And so we're still little Starbucks buddies, and we love to go to Starbucks together. (laughs) And you can never take a girl out of Starbucks. I mean, you can take a girl out of Starbucks. We can't take the Starbucks out of the girl because every time I go, I still find myself rearranging the sugars and cleaning the thing where you do. And I'm like, okay. This this area is clean. Got it, guys. <laughs> oh, at the at the self serve you know, yeah. sweetening station. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're just doing it. So I got it. I got it, guys. Careful, you yeah. get called back into the back office. You don't work here anymore, Perez. <laughs> you don't know the new recipes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> how did um how did radio come about? You know, I always loved radio. I remember in very very early on, I loved Radies. I loved Kiss FM. I loved listening to it. And Hang on one li- sec. Let's just let's just, let's just let's just oh. back up a little second here. Let's just tell people who Rick Dees is. Now, I in Australia, I grew up with Rick Dees. In mm-hmm. fact, I would on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon when I first started as a panel operator in '94, I would play the Rick Dees Weekly Top Forty, which yeah. is um, it, like that's what we got. We got the weekly mm-hmm. version yeah. of, of the countdown. But who was he in LA? He was the one of the biggest disc jockeys, I guess back then it would have been called that. Now it's on-air personality. But he was one of the biggest on the Top 40 station. Every song that me and my sister and my mom loved, um, you know, at the time, I don't I, I mean, I guess really young. I can't remember who was playing, but any popular song that was, you know, huge was played on that station. And we just would listen to it in the car. My mom would listen to it in the morning. And after a while, she started wanting to change the channel. And I would always go and like turn it right back on to Kiss. I wanted to hear every bit that he did. I don't know why. I just found it so entertaining. And I remember the station van had come to my school for a job fair. And I saw the, 
you know, 102.7 Kiss FM and I ran over and sat in the very front and I raised my hand. I was like, is Rick D's here? And they were like, no kid, come on, please. Uh, we're just the street team. (laughs) And, um, and so when I got older, I am, you know, I'm a kid of MTV VJs and Carson Daly and videos and TRL. So I just really loved music and entertainment, but I can't sing anything. I can't play anything. Um, and I've never explored writing or producing. So to me, the next closest thing to be a part of music was, was radio. And I had a teacher in high school just say, you know, I had wanted to do a lot of things, but they said, focus on one thing and then you can expand from there. And I think because my father knew that I really liked radio, he had, um, brought to my attention that the, one of the the colleges out here that he went to had a really great radio program and, you know, was within our budgets of being able to send me to college. And so I just signed up and was like, okay, we'll, we'll try it out. We'll see what happens. I knew nothing about radio. I didn't know anyone in radio, but I mean, I just knew Rick D's and a couple other stations, but I just knew it was something I wanted to see what it was about. And what was, what was the, the, the course like? Um, the course, I didn't do any radio courses until my third year. Cause they, you have to do all the, you know, the undergraduate stuff and the prerequisites of this. Oh, and how take, frustrating. Yeah. And take a biology class and I, and then. What? Fu- you had to do. That's so silly. <laughs> well, the, the crazy part about it was by the time I started taking radio classes, I had already been working at a radio station for a year. <laughs> and so like embarrassingly the teacher found out and then after that was teaching the course and was like well you know radio stations do you know this on this and blah blah well Natalia is that how your radio station does it and I was like I don't work in that department I throw out t-shirts at a 7-eleven on Saturdays for two hours I don't know <laughs> so so it, so it sounds like you and I had a very similar path there tell me about how the 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 street team situation happened while it, so the Starbucks that I that they placed me at, and I always feel like this was fate. The Starbucks they placed me at, I had no idea existed, um, even though I lived in the area. And it was just a really small one, but it literally is you can walk to it from the radio station. So we got a lot of people from the radio station going to that Starbucks. And this guy walked in and he had a T-shirt on that said Kiss FM, but it wasn't a oh, I got this at a concert. It was a, oh, this, I work for this company. It's, you know, like a corporate logo. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, I am going to make this guy's drink and I'm going to make him my best friend. And so I just asked him, I said, do you you work at the station? He said, yeah. And I said, wow, that's something I'd really love to do. I'm actually going to school for radio. And he was so nice. He said, you know what? Um, Here, here's my number send in your resume and maybe you can like apply for street team. And I w- I got so excited. I put together a nothing resume, um, sent it in. Well, I actually took it down to the station, met someone, they looked at it and I didn't hear anything for five months, six months. I never got a call, never got a call. I was so sad. I was so sad. Cause I was like, if they didn't want me even for street team, I'm not going to make it in this business. But, um, Luckily enough, he came in again and I recognized him and he recognized me and he was like, Hey, did they ever call you? I said, no, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. And he goes, no, no, no. Here's the thing. He goes, there might've not been positions, um, open. They just had five people quit. They're definitely looking for people. Send it in again. And I thought wow. about it for the night and I really wasn't going to, cause I didn't want to be sad again, but as we all know, you should try, try, try again. And so I did. 
they got, they gave me a call back like two weeks later, which was the hardest two weeks. And, um, and then hired me for just to work in the office and told me that if I do well in the office, then they'll send me out on, you know, events. And so I was just started working on the street team. It was fun. How old were you? Oh gosh. Um, 19 about to turn 20. I was like a couple months shy of 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what, once you got, what were your, what was your first week like when you walk in? Cause you know, radio stations are pretty special places to get. Mm-hmm. Once you get past the reception area where most prize winners don't ever get past, um, once you get past the reception area and you start seeing the posters, of the people on air and you hear the pipe music and you see the studios, what was that first week like working in there? You know, I never stepped foot into a studio until like probably three months into working there. It was just right. because I was in pro, I was in a promotions and at that time they didn't really like to mix promotions with, you know, programming. And that was a sacred area. You don't go into the studio. And at the time, some of the DJs were, had been there for a while. They're really not stuck in their ways, but they were particular about certain things. So you, you tread lightly around that area. But in the promotions department, I met people that I still know today, a couple people that are still working here. And I learned how to punch holes and badges for special events that were coming up, how to mail out prizes, how to get a winner's information if they came to pick up their prize. And then once I you know, answer phone calls, it was a lot of office work um, yeah. that I, I had never done before. I never worked at a, as a receptionist or anything. So learning how to transfer a call and how to accidentally drop a call or <laughs> leave, yeah. uh, write out the messages, how to go. I went on Starbucks runs all the time and I was really good at those. <laughs> oh, of course you did. Cause you know, yeah. that's, that's your, uh, that's, that's, but <laughs> at forte. what point was, at what point was it, you know, I'm going to be able to do Starbucks or I'm going to be able to do radio. At what point did you, did you, did you make the leap? You know, it wasn't until a few years later. So I was still in school when I started at the station, I stayed on the street team for a couple years, graduated. And right after I graduated, there is a woman here. She still works at the station as well. She was really sweet. She knew I wanted to um, learn how to board up and be on air so she said, you know what? There's a board hopping position. You'd have to switch departments. You wouldn't be on the street team anymore, but I think this would be a really good move for you and you would learn how to board op. And I, I didn't know how to board up. Our school didn't teach us. And let's just, let's just, so what, what that is, is that when you are listening to a station, you hear someone talk, la, 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 it's 10 past nine on, you know, Natalia FM. And then you hear a noise that goes, Natalia FM. And then you hear the Kendrick Lamar song play. Yeah. All right. A, a button had to get pushed to make that happen. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and in the old days, you had to push many buttons in a row, but it's a lot of automation now. But yeah. it was, it's a very, very difficult, very intricate, very tricky technical thing to learn how to do. It's like yeah. playing a piano, really. Yeah, it is. And um, I remember they almost weren't going to give it to me, but I said, look, I know I don't know how to board up and you prefer people coming from a smaller market and they know how to do this. But listen, I'm going to work harder than anyone. I'm going to train more and you're going to train me the way you want to board up to be, because I'm not going to come in here thinking I already know how it should be done and going to do it my way. I'm going to, I'm going to learn it your way. And she was like, boom, go ahead. You're trained tomorrow. And so I did, um, uh, overnight board hopping and weekend board hopping for about six months until someone else left, um, an afternoon producer position. Um, she recommended me cause we had gone to college together. And so 
I worked as an after, so I was still a board op, but I produced the afternoon show. So I did everything and anything for that DJ. And I think I worked with him for maybe a year and a half, maybe two years until I said, you know what? I think I can do this, just this job. And I don't need Starbucks anymore. I'm only there two days a week. I think I can finally not have to have that extra cash. Yeah. Um, let's just do this full time or as full time as it could be. It's a lot, of, a lot of commitment for, you know, a young lady in her early twenties to when all her friends are partying and mm-hmm. all her friends are, you know, down in Hollywood and stuff like that to be like, I'm off to go and push buttons in the middle of the night. Yes. What drove you to do that? I knew it needed to get done. I knew I needed to learn how to board up so that I could take that next step because everyone that I saw that was on air knew how to run their own board. And if you didn't know how to run a board, how were you going to get to be behind the mic and be able to speak and turn on the mic if you didn't know? Because if you didn't know, no one was going to hire you. So I think it was just one of those where you just kind of say, all right, this is, you know, it's like getting the boss's lunch. You just know you got to get it for a while and then you'll get to hopefully that next step if you keep pushing. So what, what was your what was your why in all that, Natalia? What was the reason that you were learning all these skills? I wanted to be- Because what was the ultimate thing? I wanted to be on air um, in LA I, or I wanted to be on air where my, my parents can turn it on and listen to me. I had said for so long and had done, you know, street team for two and a half years and board hopping and, you know, my parents, no one in my family was in the entertainment business. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. Everyone in my family was teachers. And I just had this wild idea that it would be kind of cool to be on the radio. And I had told everyone in high school that that's what I wanted to do. So it was sort of like, you just got to go for it. Cause, and at the time, well, now I feel more than ever that I just don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> I was like, I'm this far in. I might as well. <laughs> but it was hard and scary. It's funny. I, I I remember having this conversation with James, who I used to work with. I don't know how many years in we were into it. And I think doing Idol, we just kind of looked at each other and went, if this ever went away, we'd be fucked. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. This is all I know how to do. This is the only skill I've got. I know. This is it. I'm like a coal miner at one point, which is like, well, it's not around. Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. But I think but, I think it was that and just being around a lot. Like, I didn't go to a college where I went into a sorority and I didn't live away um, during college. I stayed at home. I didn't have that typical college experience. And so I felt like my sorority was the radio station. And a lot of those people were my friends and we had all shared this similar dream. And it was sort of like, just don't give up. Just keep on going. We see it happen to other people. Something will happen if you keep working hard. And I think I was just kind of on that path. Like, let's just keep going. Can you give us a, a like when 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 it got really intense? And I know what it's like when you're in radio. You basically, if you want to move up, you have to make yourself so indispensable. You have to be able to learn how to do not just your job, but be able to fill for three or four other people, maybe the same level or a different level above you. So when they take a break, well, that's when you get in there yeah. and you know how to do their job, and then you get seriously considered for the next leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us when things got super busy before I met you. Give us an idea of 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 a of a week and what a what a week might have looked like. My week looked very identical Monday through Friday um, because I would come in around one p.m. in the afternoon, which was so heavenly nice when you're not in when you, that's you just ah oh, I can sleep in. This is I didn't I didn't understand how great that was. Yeah, this is like I got to say this is this is late night for you. This you've talking to me at four thirty in the <laughs> afternoon, so I'm really grateful that you stayed up to, to do this <laughs> for you. Anything. Um, And I would just come in, I started doing a lot of prep work, figuring out what big stories 
my afternoon DJ was going to talk about. I had to put in a lot of elements for him through throughout the show, looked at his music log. But I would always explain it as I did everything and anything for him. So all he needed to do was literally walk in the studio, turn on the mic, and he knew everything he was going to do from prizes to commercials to um, what contests he was going to run at which time. I did all of his social media at the time, which what compared to now is nothing. Um, it was still MySpace, or no, if it was like a little bit of Facebook, no, it was Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. Um, we had our own like social media network that the company tried to start that didn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then just kind of communicating with salespeople on which commercials he needed to do. He also hosted a um, public access show on the radio station on the weekend. So I booked a lot of guests to come in from nonprofits. He would do the interview. I would prep him for the interview. He would do it. I would then edit the audio and create a show every week. Um, like it was, I think it was an hour and a half show every week. Um, and that was kind of it. It seems like at that time, looking back, I remember thinking it was a lot of work and now me going, man, whew, I could do that in my sleep right now <laughs> compared to the work that I do. But what it did though, is it gave you, and this is what I kind of, I kind of love about radio because the time, by the time you get to the mic, if you followed the path that you followed and the followed the path that I followed, by the time you get to the mic, you know exactly how the entire station runs and mm -hmm. you know the stakes. If you miss a sponsor's name, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like you know why it's important to make sure this break's only 30 seconds long because you know that that news has got a hit on the yeah. hour. You know, because you've got you've done all that all that stuff, and you, you know, you're not just someone that shows up to the breakfast radio show on the you know the, the biggest hip hop station in the West Coast. Um, you, if you wanted, could run the whole thing, and <laughs> that's amazing. It, you know, yeah, working with um, his name was Jesse Lozano, and he's so he's so great. He, um, I remember Jesse. He was for, the coolest yeah, guy. Yeah. He was such a sweet man. Such a sweet guy. Um, it gave me producer eyes. So when it came time for me to step behind the mic and for it to be my turn, I knew what a show should have sounded like. I knew why things should be a certain way. I understood why the sponsor was so important. I understood why you need to hit this, you know, your top of the hour legal ID. So, you know, between a certain time, so the FCC doesn't come down on you and you get in trouble by the boss. I understood all of that and hoped I always did feel like it made me a bit better um, when it came time for me to be behind the mic. Yeah. And and I've got to ask, how how did you come to work on our little show on the on, on the hot hits live from LA? The, so it was around the end of 2009. Mm -hmm. How did you how, how did you come to come to that? You know, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but um, no. I would say it was maybe six weeks before. I met you. Um, I had gotten a job offer for a weekend position in Palm Springs, and it was going to be my first real on-air gig. It paid nothing. I think it barely covered the cost of gas to go from Los Angeles to Palm Springs, which is about two and a half hours with no traffic. And, but I was so excited. They said, we're going to, we, we, uh, we want to have you work with us. We're going to have you come down, check out the studio, sign some paperwork, but congratulations. I remember that specifically. Congratulations. Wow. And then a week later, I haven't heard from them. Well, that's kind of weird. Let me, let me email them. Email them. They hit me back. Oh, you, you know, it's so sorry. We've been a little caught up. Don't worry. We still have some time. I will contact you. We will set up that time for you to come down. 
Another week goes by. I don't hear anything. I call them, leave a voicemail, nothing. A couple days later, I try to call again, voicemail, nothing. And at that point, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I, I, I seriously, even till this day, I have no idea what was going on and why they weren't calling me back or why. And I was so sad and so depressed that I thought this was my big chance to have a real, a real gig. And I was going to be on air and all this hard work had finally paid off and nothing. And then the weekend of Thanksgiving, I get a call from a guy, uh, Manny on the streets who also worked for kiss FM and he worked for Ryan Seacrest for a, a long time. He said, Hey, I got a call from a guy looking for a girl who lives in LA, who's in radio. And of course, the first name I thought of, you thought of was you. And so you might be getting a call. His name is Eric. And I said, okay, well, what is it? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Go, go ahead. Um, Eric gave me a call, I believe probably either later that day or the next day. He had explained a little bit, basically the same thing that Manny said, we're looking for a girl, a female voice in radio in LA want to audition. And I said, sure, why not? Um, and I, and that's how I came to you guys. And I remember still everything, the same exact, like the outfit I wore the first day I met you. I remember the <laughs> stories we talked about and I remember going, what is this? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah. And then I think you guys were just like, okay, great. Bye. And I was like, I don't know what just happened. And then, um, I think you guys had me come in one more time. And after that, you guys were like, so, uh, you free Saturday? Cause the show starts on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had, we had auditioned somebody else. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I remember I that, that we had, later. Yeah. 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 We had, we had auditioned someone else. Cause I remember when we were putting the show together, um, I was absolutely, I was adamant. It's like, no, there has to be an American voice. We're making it, we're making a show for Australia, but there has to be an American voice. It'll be my voice, but there has to be an American voice. And I know there's going to be some absolute weapon of LA radio and we're going to get her on and, and she's going to be the voice that brings all the showbiz stuff. Right. And we auditioned this other, this other girl. I think she was, she was great, but she was from Texas or something like mm. that. She'd come in for it actually. She'd fly oh, wow. in from Texas. Yeah. But then, like the next day, or I think we might have even done the thing where we booked you an hour apart, and then she, <laughs> you know, she left and you showed up. Yeah. But I'll never forget you left. Uh, Eric, that guy you're talking about, is Eric Braverman, our former show producer. I remember you left. We said goodbye. I just turned to Eric and I'm like, we, "That's her. That's her. We, have, we hire. We hire her. That's it. Aww. No more looking. Don't call anybody else. She's it. She's the Aww. one." And away we went. And. Um, Mm-hmm. I, you know, those, those three years that I got to work with you, Natalia, I, and I, I wrote about you in my book, by the way. Um, <gasps> I, yeah, I wrote a book and you're in it. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't know I was in it, but I know you wrote a book. I'm very, I'm yeah, so you, proud of you. Uh, look, I'm, I, I'm really grateful for you because you were there, uh, unknowingly, you were there at a really difficult time in my life, Natalia, in that mm. idol had just ended and I found out that it was never coming back while we were working together. Yeah. And while we were working together, that's where, you know, like, to be honest, my drinking just kind of got completely out of control. And you were the, you were there in the last weeks of my drinking in the first weeks of my sobriety. And yeah. you were there, you were there for me every week as, you know, as my, as my marriage fell apart, as, you know, I was sleeping on my friend's couch and all that kind of stuff. I'd get to see your beautiful, positive face every week. You know, yeah, yeah. Hit, not that you hit it very well. Like, not to say like, oh, you, you were so, um, 
but I didn't get to see that side of you. But I always loved seeing you. Like, I just was like, this is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He is smiling and he has great energy and he teaches me so many, like you, I would not be where I'm at today without you and your guidance. And you, I always tell people, I'm like, you taught me how to breathe. Like I didn't know how to breathe in radio (laughs) until one day you went, wait, 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 let me show you something. And then you like just pointed something out. And every time now when I have to do a commercial or a liner and I, and just that kind of pops into my memory, I think of you all the time. And it was, I, I had so, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I didn't know what was, I feel like sometimes I didn't know what was going on half the time. Cause it was just, everything was so new and you guys just believed in me and you were like, go to this red carpet. Uh, we don't know what's happening, but go. And then we went to New York and I mean, we had a crazy fun adventures. I loved it. It was, it was a fun, it was a fun couple of years. It really, yeah. it really, really was. And, um, you know, I'm really proud that we managed to do it, you know, and then when it went away, I mean, I was, I was in a bit of a funk. I don't, I don't remember calling you when it went away. Did I? I'm, did we talk no. when it went away? No, we didn't. And I, I, I don't. I was never upset by any means. I just remember th- being so sad because I was like, "This means I'm not going to see him like on our regular little Wednesday nights or Saturday nights." And you know, I was just sad that you know I understood. I understood though. I understood exactly why you, the decisions you know that you made or anyone else made. But I was just like, oh, I'm, I miss him. Like, I was so used to seeing him every week and, you know, yeah. learn so much. It's, and It's tough. It's tough. I mean, yeah, I, I remember, you know, I remember why it went away. The ratings were slipping. And I remember, mm-hmm. um, it was funny, actually. I remember they were, I'd gone down for a meeting in, uh, I don't think I'm talking out of school here, but I remember going down for a meeting in Melbourne with the company and um, them mentioning another person's name as a way to change up the show. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it's it's me and Natalia. It's got to be. It's got to have an American voice, otherwise it doesn't work. And sure enough, um, three months later, that's that's the, you know, she she was the one that ended up hosting it. And and when I think about it, you know, I, I get it, you know, because at the time, when was it, 2012, I was, I was 38 mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm throwing a Justin Bieber songs. It's like... Yeah, man. Get someone. Get someone who's at least twenty eight. Get her on it. You know, it's a much better, much better for the demographic rather than have a, like a sad divorced guy trying to talk about pop music. Oh no, you, know, you were fantastic. Oh, bless your heart, Natalia. But it's it is it it is one of those things though that every and my old manager in LA, John Faraday, used to always say, unless you host the news, the show you're on will always go away. So what are you going? You know, yeah. what are you prepping for? What are you planning for? Um, your your tireless work ethic, Natalia, is something that I've always, always admired. And I've oh. always, you know, I always look up to you as, you know, and particularly, you know, I mean, I got lucky. I'm, I'm a white male straight man, you know, <laughs> middle class, you know, I got it easy. You're, uh, you know, beautiful, you know, slightly brown Latina, last name Perez woman. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in a very, very male-dominated industry. So you already, off the bat, you've got to work 300% harder than anybody else because there is that bias. And you have to prove your merit far more than, uh, you know, a man would mm-hmm. have to prove in, in the industry. And this has been shown, you know, time and time, time again. Yeah. How, how did the um, 
because I know you were you were doing a bit of you know through the Australia stuff. They kind of got a win that you were getting a lot of flight miles on the mic mm-hmm. um, over there over there at the station. How did the how did the the gig on Big Boys Neighborhood show up? You know, um, while while our show was still going on, I had gotten a call from the PD over at Kiss FM, who was kind of looking over another station in LA in the same building, and he said, you know. Um, we, we just started a new morning show. We just need someone to record some entertainment stories, nothing too big. You can do it while you're still uh, producing the afternoon show and just pre-record it before you leave. And then we'll play it in the morning. And I said, okay, sure. And so I actually had new segments airing every morning in LA for probably eight months before I yeah. finally said, Hey, I'd really love to be there in the morning when this goes, when this goes on, can I, can we switch around some things? So then I did, I can't, would come in in the morning. I would do the, the news and then I would, um, then I switched over to the midday show at kiss FM and would just finish out an eight hour day with that show. So I did a year with Rick D's and then I did two years I think a little, maybe shy of two years with um, a guy named Jimmy Reyes who took over for Rick D's after that. And then iHeart came in and said, we love this music. We, we know this station has been here for a long time. We're flipping the station. We're bringing a second hip hop station to LA, something that's never been done. And then it came out that they said, and we got big boy and big boy is, he was, he is, um, when you think of hip hop and you think LA, you think big boy, like they are just, he broke every single hip hop record. He had to announce when Tupac passed away on air. I mean, every artist on, you know, hip hop and R and B went through his station and his morning show. So he created a huge legacy within LA. And so when I heard that they were flipping the station and he was coming, I mean, I essentially didn't have a job anymore, Um, but the company did keep me and they said, we don't know what we want to do with you. Um, We know that we love you and we're going to keep you here and maybe we'll find you something, but we we can still give you some hours working as a a producer. And I was like, okay, you know, I was really devastated, but I know I was devastated. (laughs) I was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if this meant that I was going to have to leave LA. I had just started dating someone, so I didn't want to leave LA. And then, um, I got a call from a guy named Jason Ryan, who was the producer of big boys neighborhood. And much like getting that call from Eric Braverman, it was someone gave me your name. Do you want to audition? And, and what's crazy is some people think that I inherited the role because I had been on the previous station, but that's not true at all. I auditioned just like everyone else. I came in um, a couple times before being offered the job, uh, like I guess going kind of through the rounds. And and then they offered me the job probably about three weeks later. And then we did, um, and then we premiered the show. And I've been on that, that this morning show since 2005. 15, 15, 2005. <laughs> <laughs> 2015. Um, 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 yeah. It's incredible. Okay, so two things that I'd love to I'd love to dig into here, Natalia. Um, number one, you've already mentioned a few times that you were up for an opportunity. It was dangled in front of your face, and then it went away. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you deal? What kept you going through the the thing being there, and then now it's not. What kept you going? Why did you keep trying? 
going back to, I don't know how to do anything else. (laughs) And so you just keep on trying. But also, I think I get this from my mom. She always has this mentality of, it's just going to work out. Like, if you are a good person, you work hard, you're not trying to backstab anybody, and you just keep working hard, everything's going to work out one way or another. And, um, you know, even before um, the station had flipped, I was trying to really get a a real full-time job. I had um, interviewed for a position in San Diego and as a producer, morning show producer, not on air, just literally morning show producer. And I said, I got to switch up, switch things up. I, I, I don't know what I'm, I, if I feel stuck and I don't feel that I'm being given a chance to grow. So let me just see. And so I was willing to move down to San Diego. I went down there and I interviewed and they didn't pick me, which was fine because, but I was just like, everything's going to happen for a reason. It's, it's fine. And I think that's when, um, I had already been working for the Dodgers. Some it's so hard sometimes trying to think of our t- my timeline. Um, but it's more of everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. And if this means that you know it's your time to maybe hang up your your microphone and your headphones, then maybe that's what it is. And you find a new journey, and life will bring you exactly what you um, what is exactly what's meant to be in your life. And I'm lucky that it was only a week in between the two shows because if it had been longer, I'm not sure how I would have been able to cope. Um, I was really lucky when, when I left the hot hits that I had a really great support system and I still had another job. So I was like, okay, well I'm still in radio and you know, that, that was a great run. It was really fun. I learned a lot and now let me take that and, and find something else. But it was a while until, you know, the something else became more concrete. But going back to in between the two shows, I'm really thankful it was only a week because I'm not, I'm not mm. sure how it would how I would have handled it. But I think I know everything comes to an end and things shift and change and they evolve. And if you can't shift and change and evolve with them, um, you are going to find yourself in points where you be, do you don't know how to c- crawl out of a hole, maybe. If you just, all right, let's see what happens. Let's go, let's go left when it's supposed to go left, maybe. But everything's going to work out. We'll be fine. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that you've, you've always got, that's an, that's an extraordinary attitude because it it is though, it is just a reframe. It is just a Mm -hmm. reframe of, of, of what's happening, you know? Yeah. Um, the, 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 okay. So, so tell me then there's another thing I'll have to, okay. There's one more thing that just popped up there. Tell me about how important it is and, you know, if people don't have it, how might they think about crafting a support system that can get them through those moments where the needle just goes all the way to zero and you don't know if it's ever going to come off again? You know, my support, I'm so lucky. My support system has been people in my life since preschool, second grade and, you know, high school and my, my camp family. They've always been there for me. And I think it was really important to not just make my my work family close and get to know them and have them a part of my life, but it was very important for me to have the outside group as well because all of my other friends, no one is in, inter- in entertainment. The majority of them work for nonprofits. They work for their therapists. They work at schools. They... Um, 
are, you know, mentors. A lot of them do amazing work. And I'm like the oddball in that group. But they've always, they've known who I am from the jump. They have supported me a hundred percent. They've always understood. They've always, they never, I never had a group around me that wasn't willing to like anytime if I said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to be late to your birthday, but I'm going to be there. I just have to work. They're like, okay, great. Go get them. You like cheerleaders a thousand percent. And anyone who wasn't willing to understand the dream and the push that I needed isn't in my life. Everyone is a go get them kind of person. And I've decided that I decided really early on that those are, were the people that I needed to keep around. And I needed to remind myself that don't get caught up in the things around you and the events that you get to go to and the cool people sometimes that or quote unquote cool people that you get to meet sometimes don't get caught up in that because you need to, rem- you need your core people around me because they're going to keep you grounded. They're going to keep you real. And they're going to love you. They're going to love you when you don't have the job. They're going to love you when you do uh, and everything in between. So you just need to remember to keep the real ones around you as cliche as that sounds. Cause you know, mm-hmm. they're real ones, but it's, it's true. So I'm, I'm, gra- I'm so grateful you shared that. The, 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 so the other thing I did want to ask is that even just in this conversation, but also definitely people listening will have heard it, but I know it from you and knowing you that, the opportunities in your career where you have absolutely leapfrogged have all come from when you have taken initiative. Now, a lot of people might not have the guts to put their hand up and go, oh, no, 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 you know how I do that thing for you? I want to come in and do it live. Or, oh, no, no, have you got a job? I'd love to go work there. What would you say to people about making that leap and just asking? You know, for a long time, I was really scared to tell anyone what I wanted to do. I didn't let anyone listen to an air check for probably a good year. I made a bunch, but never let anyone listen to them because I was so afraid that someone was going to hear it and they were going to say, that sucks. You're not good. You don't have what it takes. Your voice is annoying or, and I'm sure to some people it might be, but you know, I realized so many people and not to focus on other people's journeys, but I noticed so many people who were taking the chance to say, I made another air check, please listen to it. Or here's another air check. You know, I made five more and can you please critique it? Those people were, were getting the opportunities that I wanted. And I wasn't jealous. I was jealous of their fearlessness. That's what I was. I wasn't jealous that they got the job. I was just like, God, why, why am I so scared? Why am I so scared to try? And then Um, there was one moment where I was still wasn't doing anything on air and someone offered me a position to be an editor for Ryan Seacrest for his morning show. Cause I had produced a bunch. I knew how to edit really quickly. I knew all, I had all the skills. I was already a backup board op for their show. And I really thought about it. And I said, no, I was so done with not saying what I wanted. And I said, I'm really sorry. I appreciate the opportunity. But if I take that job, I'm going to throw myself 100% into it. I'm going to be the best editor there can be. And I'm going to put myself two years behind anything, doing anything on air. I'm not going to be able to focus on trying to get a job behind the mic. I know that's what I want. I want to be on air. And it was like one of the first times I said it out loud, really, to someone. And she said, well, you know, you're going to have to leave LA if that's what you want. And, you know, opportunities don't come around like this very often, but if you believe that strongly in it, okay. 
And I said, you know, thank you again, but this, I, I, I got to try. I just have to try. And from then on out, I made sure that everyone knew what I wanted to do, because until you say what you want, everyone's going to assume they know what you want and they'll put you up for jobs that do not align with you. And once I started saying it, once I accepted that I wanted to be behind the mic and not just behind the scenes as a producer, it was like everything started clicking. It was like the universe said, Natalia, girl, we have been telling you for so long but you have been sending us mixed signals and now we hear you and here it is. I love it. I absolutely love it. I hope you say a version of that in the mornings at the YMCA camp. I do. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) So, um, look, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy you just said that. That's the very reason I wanted to talk to you because I've known that you feel this way and I know that that's been the secret to your incredible career, but that you able to share that and so Perfectly, because you're a trained broadcaster, you know how to take a message really well. Um, it just makes, makes, there's so many people that needed to hear that today. Uh, but just can, let let's just let's just get you know you're on real ninety two three. God, I, I, we could speak a whole hour about what it was like to actually work oh. with your dream mentor, your 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 hero, you? Rick Dees. You actually got to work with him. No, you, you actually got to work with a guy that you frothed over when you were a little kid. Um, but I, I want to give people an idea. Now you're at the you're at the top of your game. You are mm-hmm. at on the, the cornerstone hip hop show on in in the if not like one of the biggest hip hop markets in the world on uh, west coast of LA with the DJ mm-hmm. uh, that breaks all of the artists, all of the records, all the hits that we hear in Australia. I think people realize this. It's like the Devil Wears Prada. If the record gets played on your show. That traction that starts there eventually makes its way to the charts here. I don't think yeah. people understand that, that it begins. You are the cornerstone. Wow. You are the – that's where you are though. But that is – because the, the change makers, the decision makers that decide which records to push internationally, they are all in that market, all right? And mm. so it all starts on your show. Can you give people an idea of what the workload is like to stay <laughs> – where you are. I just want, I don't want people to have any idea that Instagram is this beautiful place where, oh. and great, great work, by the way. I'm so happy oh, to thanks. see you working in that stuff. That's fucking good. <laughs> um, um, can you give people an idea of your day, Natalia? I, so my day starts at 3.20 a.m. every day. Well, Monday through Friday. And um, I get ready. Um, I'm, the reason I wake up so early is because it does take me a minute to kind of like oh, wake up. I, I don't like to rush anything. So I try to give myself enough time to wake up and get ready. We take a lot of photos. We do a lot of videos. And so unfortunately, the good old days of sweatpants and your hair in a ponytail aren't always welcomed. And, you know, we want to look nice. We want to look decent. At least, I say decent. So I have to put a little effort into it, but 3.20 in the morning, I wake up, I'm leaving the house um, about three, about 4.30 in the studio just before five, and we start going for it. But I do the news, and so um, there's a bunch of stories that throughout the day I'm collecting, and at night I collaborate with our producer and one of the other girls on the show who does our social media, and we kind of pick what we feel are the biggest stories of the night to then talk about the next day. But show starts at five, we go till 10. And then after that, it's show show meeting for a little bit with everyone. We figure out what we're going to do the next day. We might have to, you know, do a little odd 
ends here and there. And then it is home to maybe nap. I'm not really sure because I do a lot of prep work for the show every night. So I'm doing about three different prep sheets because we want, I want, we want entertainment stories, but we also want LA stories as well. So things that are going on in LA that people can feel connected to when I say, you know, there is a, a pop-up shop down on in, in downtown LA on Western people. I know Western uh, and they feel connected to the city so that we can make sure that we're also letting LA know what's happening. And then also just stories like viral stories, anything that's, you know, the most talked about, you know, maybe it's a new dance challenge or maybe it's something our president uh, tweeted out. So depressing. And then, <laughs> um, and then it's, um, we do a lot of social media too. We have to, uh, you know, it's, I feel like, um, it's, it is 24 seven. Like, so I don't, a yeah. lot of people say, oh, but now you're off the show's done and you have the rest of the day and you go, oh, no, 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 hold on. I still have to go prep for the show the next day. Every now and then, you know, maybe once or twice a month, I'll, I'll do a red carpet, um, once or twice a month. Uh, sometimes we get some junkets. I'll go and cover the junkets. Sometimes we have events for the station that I, we go to as a team or some, or, when it's baseball season, which is March through September, um, I work for the Dodgers. So I might be going to some Dodger games and hosting there and still trying to go home and get six hours of sleep. <laughs> but that's what it takes, Natalia, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, it takes, it, it, there is a lot of people that work very hard for our show and contribute everything that they can to make every single show, the best one that we can do. And I'm a part of that. And it feels very special to be a part of that. But it also, I don't think people understand how much really goes into it, but we take pride in that too. I don't want anyone to yeah. ever think that it's hard work. I want people to think that it's Oh, oh, and it is always fun, but of course there's this sometimes where it's, Hey, we're all going to go to dinner on a Wednesday about like nine o'clock. See you there. And I'm like, no, cause I'm going to bed. <laughs> 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 but that is that 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 is what it takes and you know it's it's something because that's it's something I, I i wrote about as well is that um you know to exist at this level of any industry whether mm -hmm. it be i don't know mining or finance or carpentry or whatever it is that it is there's a lot of work yeah that comes into it you don't work three hours a day and then go home you know no no no, no, no. and but you can't spend that much time away from people you love no. unless you really love the job, Natalia. Yeah, that's the struggle. That's the struggle of finding the balance between, you know, wanting to be at every event so that you can make sure you cover it all and you know everything that is happening and saying, actually, no, tonight I'm going to stay home and it's going to be date night and I'm going to, you know, shower my man with love and I'm going to make sure he still feels important or I'm going to always try to like, you know, maybe if I, I get to go to some screens sometimes for movies and I always ask for a plus one because they, they're, 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 they always give me a plus one. And then I say, Hey, we're doing a date night. We're going to a free movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to shove those in as much as I can, but yeah, it's, it takes some balance, but it also takes being with people. Like I said about my support system and my, my relationship, understanding that life as well and being very understanding of it. And he, my fiance is the exact same way when I leave home or in the morning, he was always like, go get him, do a great job. I believe in you. I know you're going to kill it. You did great is so supportive 
so secure and is very proud. And I don't think I could be with someone who wasn't. Yeah. That's so, I'm so, so grateful that you found someone, Natalia. I was <laughs> there did. during the single years and <laughs> we were and both single were, at the time. You were there during the, the first date. We talked <gasps> all about him. Fantastic. Where does, very quickly, Natalia, you know, besides buckets and buckets of coffee, where does self-care come into all this, Natalia? That, I believe, is something that I have not mastered, or not even mastered, haven't been able to really get a grasp of. I found that I am a, when I'm tired and when I'm exhausted, I just want someone to shove or like throw chicken fingers into my mouth. And then I just want to sleep and sleep for three hours. I, I'm a very, I, um, eating right is something that I'm very passionate about, but it's not something that I'm very, uh, I'm still learning how to make a big priority. Um, because I yeah. get so caught up in trying to be the best employee and the best on air and the best fiance ever and the best friend that I, I feel like it's lower on the totem pole than it should be. But I every day try my very best to uh, to carve out time to make sure like, okay, on Mondays, that's when I go to the grocery store and I'm going to go buy a ton of my veggies and that's going to be for the week. And I'm going to prepackage my, my salads that I'm going to bring for me. And I'm going to think about what I'm putting into my body. And if I don't plan, it's, it's bad news. It's bad news bears 24 <laughs> seven. So, but so, but so that is prep, prepping your, your food is as, some, as, as important as prepping for your job, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. And like, I hope this is okay to say, listening to your podcast because I, there's many reasons why I listen to it. I listen to it one because I get to hear your voice and it reminds me of when we get to, ha we used to work together and I get to learn so much, so much. Your podcast is just so amazing. Your shows. I absolutely adore what you do. I've told so many people to listen to it and it has reminded me that self self care is so important. And so what I started doing um, a couple months ago is every morning I think about what I'm grateful for. I try and think of 10 things that I'm grateful for. And it really puts my mind at ease and it kind of, okay, maybe I am tired today, but you know what? I'm grateful for that bed that I got to sleep in, or I'm grateful that I bought a new eyebrow pencil and it's going to make my eyebrows look great today. And, <laughs> but it, it does. And it's, um, you have, again, that's why I love you. And I think you're amazing because you're so inspirational for everything that you do and everything you share to other people where they can hopefully bring it into their lives and they can be the best version of themselves. Oh, you're a total sweetheart, Natalia. I miss you so much. I know. Oh, I miss you. You're the best. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for staying up so late to do this. Oh, it's, now, it it's now quarter past five in the afternoon, so you need to go to bed. <laughs> In a couple more hours, a couple more hours. <laughs> okay. I love you so much. Thank you so much for I talking. I love you too. Um, thanks thank for being you. on the show. You're the best and I'm so proud of you. I'm so oh, proud you. of you, Natalia. I am proud of you. <laughs> You're the best ever. I love you. I love I'll you. see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Natalia Perez. Find her on Instagram at Hey Natalia, H-E-Y-N-A-T-A-L-I-A. -E -A -A. Let her know that you heard her here on the show. Big thanks to everyone that made this episode with me today. Andy Ma, 
my producer, my audio producer in his very fancy, newly reorganized studio, uh, Rachel Barrett, who somehow found time to produce this episode at the same time as trying to book a national independent theatre tour. Toe Hyder on the music, who's also joining me on stage on October the 28th. Tickets for that, osherginsburg.com. Audrey, my wife, just for being fucking amazing. And you, for listening. Because you can't make a podcast without an audience. You really can't. It's a file sitting on the internet if no one listens to it. But you listen to it in your thousands. So thank you. I love you so much for listening. I'm off to lie on a foam roller and make noises like a dying animal on the plains of the savannah. (laughs) Until we speak next week, take care, ride safe, sleep well, and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.